Today's episode is going to be something a bit different. Normally, we're all about talking smack and having some mad bants, but today we're going to talk about the basics of fantasy, rules, how to play, and some good strategies for beginners. Let's do it. Kiss him on the lips. All right, this is the Cousins AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Keeves, coach of the Super Subs. I'm here with my cousin Jados. Coach of NFNL, KFKL, No Fife, No Life, No Fife, No Life. And we are here to talk about AFL Fantasy 101. Beginner strategies, tips, tricks, the rules, everything you need to know if you're playing fantasy for the first time. That's right. The preseason is ramping up and it occurred to us we might have some first-time players out there or even some second second or third-time players that just want a bit more, I guess, broad strategy and, and rules. Yeah, they wanna, they're sick of losing to their mates. If you're sick of losing to your mates, you know, this is the podcast for you. Okay, so we're going to structure the episode as if Jaden is a first-time player or is new to the game and I'm explaining the rules to him and explaining how to play and then... So whatever questions he might have, he'll ask, he'll chime in with his question, I'll answer, and then he can also add his, add his two cents on the end and, and explain some things as well. So we'll start off by getting into the rules. In fantasy, there is a squad of 30 with 22 on field, 8 on the bench, and that structure looks like 6 defenders on field, 2 on the bench, 8 midfielders on field, 2 on the bench, 2 ruckmen on field, 1 on the bench, Six forwards on field, two on the bench, and then one utility spot, which is also on your bench. Uh, bench player scores do not count. They're used as emergencies by selecting the E button. This means if someone on your field doesn't play, the emergency score will count. You just have to select the E button before the game starts. Uh, you can select your four E's from any line, but if you select multiple in the same line, only the lowest counts. And basically, you just want to try and have cover in all four lines. That's why you get four emergencies. Uh, every week, you select a captain, which is worth double points. The vice captain is essentially just a backup to your captain. So if your captain doesn't play, your vice captain score doubles instead. Fantasy has a rolling lockout, which means players from each game lock when their game starts. Not at the start of the round, but when their game starts. This just means that once their game starts, you can't make any changes with them. You can't move them on your field, off your field. You can't emergency them, nothing. So I can't do anything? Nothing, mate. Nothing all right. at all. <laughs> That's very clear. <laughs> um, and DPPs or dual position players are players that can be selected in multiple lines. Uh, some examples are Josh Dunkley, who is a mid and a forward. Mark Blixarves, who's a mid and a ruck. The scoring system... You get three for a kick, two for a handball, three for a mark, four for a tackle, one for a hit out, six for a goal, one for a point, one for a free kick, four, and then one, uh, sorry, minus three for a free kick against. Any questions, mate? Um, no. That's all very, very, very clear. We are flying through. <laughs> we are flying through. What's next? All right, so for the strategy, you actually coined this. Moneyball is what you said. Anyone seen the movie Moneyball? 
I, 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 <laughs> that's we, a rhetorical we question. For an answer? <laughs> that is totally a rhetorical question. I've seen the movie Moneyball. Yes, okay. Yeah, I was asking you, cuz. Um, yeah, money. You should explain it to me. Okay, well, I am explaining it, but I, I just I thought I'd throw it to you because it was your it was your term. But basically, the aim is to extract as much value as possible from your players. AFL fantasy is a money game, so you want to maximize every dollar. Pick players that will outperform where they're priced at. Um, and yeah, with your rookies, you're basically just trying to jump off when they're where you think they've they've maxed out in price as well. Um, so you're saying that every player's price relates to a number. Yeah. So so that's what you mean by priced at. Yes, yes. So the players are priced on their averages from the previous season. Right. If a player but if a player played less than 10 games through injury or suspension or whatever, they're given a discount of 3% for each game they've missed under those 10 games. And that Discount is based on their best average from the last two seasons. Well, okay, so it sounds that's confusing. Can you give me like an example? I certainly can. So a good example of this is Cunnington, Ben Cunnington. He played two games last year at an average of fifty-two point five, but in twenty twenty-one he averaged ninety-nine point two. That's the highest of the two averages. Therefore, he gets a twenty-four percent discount on that ninety-nine point two, which prices him at seventy-five. Oh, okay. And the 24% is because he missed eight games under 10 and they're worth 3% each. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I guess, yeah, if he was priced at 52, he'd be such an easy pick, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's why they do it. So you can't just pick players that missed a whole season and they're priced at the, the basement, which is, yeah. I think, 25. Uh, okay, so draftees are priced based on where they were drafted. So the number one draftee is the highest priced out of all the draftees. And then the 10th is the 10th price out of all the draftees and so on. Mm-hmm. The salary cap is 15.5 million, which is in line with the AFL salary cap, which is kind of cool. I think we're one of the only games that actually do that properly. A break even, you'll hear this term lots, break okay. even or BE, is a score a player has to reach to maintain their price. So if they beat this score, they go up. If they miss this score, they drop in price based on you know how far above or below they are. Break-evens are accessed by subscribing to Fantasy Coach through the app or the website, or just Googling them. Okay, so you're saying the break-even dictates a player's price or how their price is going to move. Does that mean that a break-even reflects their priced-at figure? No, so... If you drop a massive score, say a player drops a 160, the break-even will plummet. So basically, the game is trying to price someone in line with what they're averaging. That's the way it works. So for rookies who are priced at basement price, or even you know rookies who are slightly Just above... Just a rookie price. Yeah, yeah, yeah Very exactly. cheap. If, if, even if they average 60, their break-even will plummet to you know the negatives, and the game will try and basically skyrocket their price and get them... Priced at that 60 average. That's why they make money so fast. Oh, negative break-even. Yeah, negative break-even. So they don't even have to score any points to make money. That's correct. So if a player's break-even gets into the negatives, sometimes we can even see him get as low as negative 30 if a player is really just smashing it straight out of the gate. All they have to do is walk on the field and they'll go up in price, even if they score no points. Okay, so break-evens are pretty useful then. 
yeah, they, to know. They are. It's it's really useful information to know. So Fantasy Coach, definitely recommend it. It's handy for the break-evens. But if you don't want to subscribe to Coach, you can look it up. Okay, so to circle back to positions, the utility bench position can be a player from any position. So it can be a defender, mid, forward, ruck, any of them. But it's best to start with someone that has DPP, dual position player status, just for flexibility. So you can move your team around how you see fit if players aren't going to play or it's, that's what we call the donut. If someone's going to miss a game or just having that flexibility is really Yeah, because they're going to score a zero. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Having that flexibility is re- really handy to be able to move your team around and stay nifty. <laughs> uh, dual position players can be selected in either position that they're listed as in the game. So we touched on Josh Dunkley earlier. You can select him as a forward or as a midfielder. Every six rounds, AFL Fantasy adds positions to players in the game based on their roles in the season. So a player can have a max of two positions and cannot lose a position during the season. So an example of this would be, there's been a lot of talk about Sam Doherty going into the midfield this year, but he's listed as a defender only. If he does play midfield in the first five or six weeks, AFL Fantasy can add mid status to him and then you can select him as a midfielder or as a defender. Yeah. And dual position players are really useful to have because you can you can actually move them around like flexibly through your trades. Yes. So you might trade a player out from your defense and you might have a midfielder who or, who also has defender status. And what you can do is you can actually swing that player into the defense and trade in a midfielder instead of a defender for that player that you traded out. So you have a lot of flexibility through your trades if you have... Um, dual position players in your team. Yeah, it's super handy for if you start with a midfielder and they happen to get defense or forward status, you can move them forward or back because they, they're generally the highest scoring players. But I'll throw it back to you and you can explain loopholes for us, Jados. Okay, so loopholes are another really important strategy for us as fantasy coaches. Loopholes are essentially, we use them primarily for our captains. So we were explaining before how you have a vice captain. Um, essentially, a vice captain we can use as a free hit at a captain score. So if you have a premium player that's playing early on in the round, usually maybe like a Thursday night or a Friday night game, and you might think that they're in for a good score, you put the VC on that player, the vice captaincy, and if they score a a score that you think is going to be good as a captain score and you want to double it, here's what you do. You get a non-playing player from your bench and you move them onto your ground or you swap them with a player that's playing, and then you put the captaincy on that player that's not going to play. And now you have to be really careful here and make sure that they're not going to play, that they're not going to be a sub or anything like that. And essentially, if they are a DNP... Do not play, did yep, not play. Yep. Then the game automatically doubles your VC score instead. But the other thing you have to be careful to do here is to put the emergency on the player that you swapped with the non-playing player. So that... They're on the bench and they have the emergency score. So you have a full squad of playing players still, but you've doubled your vice captain score instead of your captain score. Okay, so let's talk about the positions. Uh, The best fantasy players are the ones that rack up disposals, marks, and tackles. Goals can inflate the score, but generally aren't a good avenue for consistent points. Inside mids are the highest scoring players. So think Jack Steele, Rory Laird, Andrew Brayshaw, 
You want to get as many of these players in your team as possible because they mark, they tackle, they get heaps of touches, they can hit the scoreboard. So you're saying that all the best fantasy players are midfielders? More or less, yes. Okay. There are other good positions, but midfielders are the best. And a big part of the strategy in most years is to try and select players that you think are going to play inside midfield that are actually listed in different lines. So if you look at all the best forwards this year, Josh Dunkley, Stephen Coniglio, 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 <laughs> Tim Taranto, Connor Rosie, all these guys are going to play bulk midfield minutes. They're not really forwards. They're midfielders. That's important to know. Uh, rebounding halfbacks are also really high-scoring players. Sinclair, Dawson, Doherty, they get access to kick-ins, which are free points, and generally their teams like to run play through them, um, use them as quarterbacks, we call it. So they just get a lot of a lot of easy kicks and marks. Okay, so as well as inside midfielders, rebounding halfbacks are kind of players to target? Absolutely. Okay. So again, ja- Jack Sinclair, Jordan Dawson, Sam Doherty. Doc, Doc is... Doc, Sam Doherty, is the main defender. He's the staple of our defense and he's the man back there. He averaged 110 last year. He's quite clearly the best because he takes kick-ins and Carlton just get the ball to him as much as they possibly can. Uh, Wing players are pretty inconsistent fantasy scorers. They can have huge games but get caught on the opposite side of the ground at times for long periods and just drop poor, poor scores. Andrew Gaff is a good example of this, someone that has a bit of a ceiling but can also drop Terrible, terrible scores. They also have just less opportunities to tackle because they're not in and around the ball. Key position players are easily the worst fantasy players and a general rule is to just steer clear of them. The best fantasy ruckmen are those who can play like midfielders around the contest. So guys like Rowan Marshall, Max Gorn, Tim English that can rack up disposals, take marks and, and tackle as midfielders do, they're the best by far. So to quickly summarize, inside mids are the best players. That's who you want on target. Wing players are inconsistent, but generally if a rookie plays on the wing, so this year an example of that is Finn Callahan. He's going to get wing time. He's a great option because wing is still around the ball, and even though it's, it can be inconsistent for a rookie to have a position in the midfield, is just a massive win. Uh, running defenders are awesome. Key position players, no good. Do not do it. Ruckman. So you're telling me Sam Collins is not a gun fantasy player? Unfortunately not, mate. Jeremy McGovern. No, the gun. Not a gun. He's not he's not oh, a gun. Alright. Liam Fine. Jones? Nah. No. He he put up a good score in the practice game, but he's not not a fantasy player. Alright, so picking value. Now, think moneyball. Again, moneyball, moneyball, <laughs> moneyball. Now he plays value on players based on if we think they can outperform their average or their priced at figure. Indicators of value are role changes. So an example of this is Errol Goulden this year. We think he's going from forward to midfield. That was displayed in the practice game where he dropped a massive score. Injury affected average. Cunnington is an example of this that we already used. He's priced low because he's discounted on scores from years gone by because of his injuries and how many games he missed. Player improvement, which... Young player breakouts, I mean, this is Tom Green, Caleb Sarong, Jai Newcomb, Sam Berry. The list goes on. Um, good example of this would be McRae for a breakout in his second year. He went from averaging 64 in his first year to 104 in his second year. And then Tim Taranto from second year to third year is another example. 
he went from averaging 90 to 113. Yeah. I guess there are examples for, you know, basically all the star players, when they first came in, they were basically putting up rookie numbers because they were rookies, but they've always been talented players and you kind of flag them as like, well, they're going to become a star one day, but you don't know at what point they're going to make the jump from like an average player to actually becoming that star. Yeah, But exactly. at some point, you know, whether it's their second, third or fourth season, they're going to have that breakout that we're trying to pick as fantasy coaches. Yeah, and if you're keen on someone and you jump onto a breakout, it can it can really make your season and, and get you ahead of ahead of the curve. Uh, the other thing is team changes, the other indicator of value. So like another, Taranto, to use again, has gone from GWS to Richmond this year. He was getting mid-time, but he's going to get more now. He's gone up the pecking order. Dunkley as well has gone from the Dogs to Brisbane. Similar thing. He was playing a lot of forward. Now he's just going to be a pure on-baller. Yeah, well, the thing at both of those clubs, both of those guys were getting about 40% midfield time, um, but just they had such stacked midfields. Um, both of those players uh, have kind of moved, seeking more sort of midfield opportunities at their new clubs and are kind of hoping for at least like 70% midfield time, maybe 80% at their new clubs. So straight away we see that by changing clubs, we're sort of hoping that they can increase the output in their fantasy scores. Yeah, massive. Okay, so some of the key stats that you can use to try and predict a breakout or value players, these can all be found under the AFL app as well, under yeah. advanced stats. But CBAs or center bounce attendances, so if a player is playing more midfield time, generally their scoring goes up. Kick-ins, it's just free points. If you take kick-ins and you play on, it's a plus three. Guys like Doc, Sinclair take heaps of them and they just get truckloads of free points. The other one is time on ground or TOG. So basically, that that is a super simple premise. Playing more of the game means that you've got more opportunities to score. All right, now we'll just quickly touch on the buyers. We will have an extensive standalone pod on the buyers because it's such a tricky time to navigate in season and it's quite a big subject. But we'll just quickly touch on some things. During the buyers, your best 18 scores count. You get three trades a week. And the general strategy is to trade play players going into their buy and bring in players that are coming off their buy. Um, again, we'll just have we'll have another pod on this during the season that explains it more in depth, some of our strategies on it. But that's just a, a quick overview. Okay, so that's... Most of the rule chat done. I'll throw it over to you, Jados, and you can run us through some tips for the game. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, the first of the tips that we have here is kind of an important one. You hear this a lot around the fantasy community, and it is hold your primos, hold your premium <laughs> players. Um, we see it time and time again where players will have just like a cold start or just take a while to work their way into the season and it's frustrating as fantasy coaches, especially at the start of the year because you don't have that many premiums to start with and when the ones that you've paid up for at the start of the year are letting you down, you just you want them out of your team. Yeah. But more often than not, they're going to turn it around. You know, it's just it's usually just form. Yeah, absolutely. It happened to me last year. Normally, I stick by this rule Day and night, 24-7. I never break it. But Max Gorn started last year horribly. He dropped two bad scores. And I was like, nah, he's cooked. He's old. Luke Jackson's there. He's done. Well, Luke Jackson was rocking like a fair bit, right? Yeah, more more than you would want. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I traded Max. And then he dropped massive scores on me from then on. 
he dropped a 140, 130, 150, another 150, another 150. Yeah, just not in a row, but just, you know, <laughs> yeah. for the course of the rest of the season, just dropped massive scores and it was my fault because I, I traded yeah. him out. He was already in your team. You just had to ride out the, you know, the bad patch. Yeah, exactly. The, the small flag to that is if your primo has had a role change, then it's okay to trade. So like last year, Ben Keys went from playing midfield to forward pocket and I held him partly because I love Keys, but because I was, you know, holding out hope that he'd move back to the midfield and he'd drop bad score after bad score after bad score. So a role change, that's when it's fine to trade your primos, but yep. only then. Yep. All right. The second tip we have is 30 green dots in round one. So what does that mean, Keebs? What is, it, what is a green dot? So a green dot is what happens when a player gets listed as playing on the afl.com.au website. Yep, on the app, yep. they, they have a little dot next to their name and it goes green. On the fantasy app, yeah, that's all it means. In From round one, the start of the season, you just want all your players to be playing. Yeah, so you want to be very dil- diligent coming into round one, just making sure that, especially on your bench, like with these rookies, you kind of track them pre-season, but you don't know whether the team's going to roll with them round one. But it's really important that you pick a full team of playing players and playing rookies coming into round one because the rookies are our cash generation for the whole season. And once round one has started, you only have two trades a week from there to fix up mistakes. So if you've started the season with only like 26 out of your 30 players playing because you were sort of a bit slack coming into round one, you're playing catch up by so much. You've got four players that aren't making any money that aren't, scoring anything for you um and you've you've you're so far behind yeah exactly your your rookies are really your key to having a better team so it's important that they're all playing they're all there to make money yep all right so this next strategy we have is one of our cousins it's sort of one of our personal strategies that we've adopted and we love it it's a cousin's tip yep save a bank so of our what 15.5 million Starting salary. Yep. Um, you could spend every last dollar um, on your starting squad. But that would be a mistake. Because <laughs> come round one, um, basically what we found in our 19 years of experience is that as much research as you do in the preseason and coming into round one, there are always decisions that you get wrong. And you can very, very quickly make up for those decisions if you have money in the bank. Um, Like we were talking about before with these breakout players, you know, um, you might go, oh, it's it's Tom Green's year. He's going to break out. He's going to put, you know, 15 points on top of his starting price. Um, And you see round one, he drops a horrible score, like drops a 40 or a 50 or something. You have the flexibility to jump to the guy one of the other breakout players that maybe has shown that they're the real deal, maybe like Caleb Sarong or Sam Barry or something. I'm just throwing out names, but the whole idea is that you're staying flexible, you're staying diligent, and you're kind of you're ready to make the moves with the understanding that, you know, you can't more often than not we make some mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's injuries always happen too, so it's important to have some kind of insurance to your starting squad. Yep. Yeah. And they're Often, quite often, there are there are random rookies that pop up in round one that you kind of you weren't sure about or you didn't get much of a look at preseason, and then they come in round one, they drop like an eighty, 
and you need, say, like 70K to get your dud rookie that gets dropped in round two up to this rookie that you missed and you have the flexibility to launch onto the players that are about to skyrocket in price. Yeah, and to, to be able to do that with two trades as well at the start of the season yeah. can just really slingshot your team up, up yeah. the rankings. Yeah, so it's all about flexibility and launching into good trades in round one. Okay, our next tip is um, for those of you who kind of are starting from the very start and you're kind of having a hard time picking who your captain is uh, week in, week out, um, and you're not looking at fixtures too much, is to have a player that you're just happy with having as your permanent captain every week. Um, So that could be maybe you know, a Jack Steele or Rory Led or a Jack McRae, over the course of a season, they're going to average at least 115 or something like that. So, you know, you've got, you've had 115 averaging captain over the course of the season. That's pretty solid. It's it's good to have a fullback, a player that you're happy to be your fullback captain through the season anyway. Even if you're an advanced player, someone that's played for years and years, it's just a safe strat. Yep. You don't have to whack the C on them every week, but you have to be comfortable having a player that you could put the C on each one. Yeah. Um, and then generally, as you get sort of more advanced into it, um, you're kind of looking more at fixtures um, to decide your captain. So say if Rory Laird is coming up against the Hawks or North Melbourne, you see that they're teams that give up a lot of fantasy points. Um, you're kind of you're going, yeah, okay, Rory Laird is going to drop like a 150 this week. So you're looking at matchups to sort of dictate your captain choices. Cool. All right, so another tip that we have is that you should pay up for rookies, even if they're on your bench. Um, You should ensure that you have the best money makers in the game, even if you have to, you know, you have to take a bit of a haircut in another line to get the rookies that you need um, over the course of the season, it's like an investment. Um, and if paying a little bit more money and having a slightly weaker starting squad on your field to have the best rookies on your bench to start with is what you have to do. It's just the best way to go long-term. Yeah, we quickly touched on it earlier as well, but generally, as a rule, the higher draftees are priced higher than the rest of the rookies. So they're always the ones that have better job security anyway because there's so much value placed on them by their teams. So paying up for some of these guys is a great strat just to have you know, rookies playing for your team each yep. week. Yeah, and even if they do end up being a flop rookie, it means that you have the flexibility to shift them to the rookies that do well in round one. Whereas if you start with the all basement rookies on the bench and then two of them get dropped, then all of a sudden you're scrambling to try and get to the ones that have started well and they can like they can take off quickly. They can get out of reach very quickly. An example of that was like Will Hoskin Elliott a couple of years ago. Yeah, just flew, flew <laughs> up. He, he, drew, he dropped like a ton and like a 90 or something in the first couple of rounds maybe. Yeah, I think he dropped a big ton early as well, like a 130 or something and yeah, just flew up. He made so much money. So And everyone was sort of scrambling to get him. Um, so that's just an example that like rookies can make money really fast. Um, okay, so the next one is to plan heavily for the buy rounds. So we touched on it before. The buy rounds can be a bit of a tricky um, tricky time for us to navigate as fantasy coaches. Um, basically, you sort of want to have a look at your buy structure. Um, 
you know, what, maybe five or six rounds. Before the buys. Yeah, yeah. You, want to, you want to plan, basically. Nice and early. You don't want to get caught out having way too many players on one buy and then and then you just tank around. Yeah. Um, Again, we'll we'll touch on this in a in a further pod during the season, but yeah. it's important to plan heavily for the Yeah, buys. you you want to have a look. Yeah, maybe like five, six, seven rounds before, so you kind of know because you you never know. You might you might have a look and you're like, oh no, like I've got, you know, fifteen buy players in the first round. I'm cooked, or or it could be fifteen in the last round or something. So, but if you if you find that out five weeks before the buys, you have two trades a week to sort of get a bit more balanced. And then come up with a plan of how you're going to trade through the buys. Okay, so this next one, this is basically, it comes back to what fantasy is all about. Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> and the tip is to buy low. So you know how we talked about before, about holding your premiums? Well, it's kind of, it's like the inverse of that. It's jumping on the premiums who have started slow and basically their price has crashed. Um, but you know, or you expect them to bounce back. You know that they're not—they're not cooked forever. There's just, you know, it, sometimes it's due to injury, sometimes it's form, sometimes like a premium player might be tagged, and just have a really bad game to start the year, and their break-even skyrockets, which means that their price dips, and it—and what you want to do is you want to jump on when their price is at its lowest. It's like buying stocks. Yeah. You know, you're trying exactly. to buy the dip. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it can take a lot of courage as well to jump on these players because a lot of the time, the general consensus is that they're cooked or you know something wrong has happened. But if you see a player that you believe is bottomed out and you think they're going to bounce back, just take the plunge. Yeah, if you know you you're looking at all the all the indicators that we we're talking about before. If they have the role still, um, you know if they're ticking all the boxes for you, they're still getting high time on ground or they're getting kick-ins, whatever CBAs, it is. CBAs, yeah, yeah. You're, they're ticking the, the stats off that you're looking for for fantasy players, but they're just not quite scoring. Um, just be ready to pounce on them because they're more likely they're not going to bounce back. All right, so the next tip that we have is to prioritize cash generation, especially in the early rounds, really. Fantasy is a bit of a marathon, right? And you can storm home really fast if you've built up... Um, a team that has like high team value. You know, you've made the money by investing in these rookies. You've invested in players that are making money. And throughout the course of the season, you've built up this monster team that's full of premium players. You're going to make up those points. Yeah, exactly. It, it basically comes back to pay up for rookies. And the, the early rounds is all about just jumping on the, the really cheap guys who are popping and, and smashing high averages going up in price. Because like you said, it's all about that cash yeah. gen. Yeah. And that's not, it's not just like, the starting rounds it should be your priority all throughout the season so like even come come the buy times um say rory led has just been smashing it. he's come out at, come out the blocks averaging 125 or something i mean it's i don't know yeah rory led we'll go with that example he's averaging 125 his max like he's he costs over a million let's say and you're looking to buy a premium midfielder in the buy rounds you could pay a million dollars for Rory Laird or say there's someone who's dipped in price like Zach Merritt is down to 800K or less, 750K because he got tagged or he hurt a his foot times, or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't anticipate Zach Merritt He's not gonna dropping go that, that cheap, much. But yeah, yeah, but 
What I mean is you're looking for the players that are down on what they can do from here on out. So you're prioritizing cash gen and buying low consistently throughout the season. Yeah, to keep to keep money in the bank, to keep the team value rolling. Yeah. It's all important. Yeah. All right. So our final tip is to binge content about fantasy. There are so many podcasts out there. There are a lot of opinions. Get Listen to all of it. Get ideas of who people are talking about, who people think are going to kind of break out or what players present value, but then formulate your own opinions. Do you want to jump in, Keeps? Yeah, it's important because we play fantasy. Us, we, we do, and you know a lot of people do because we love the game. We love footy. It's such a fun game. And part of the fun is, I guess, picking pods or going against the grain sometimes. So it's important to listen What's to... What's a pod? A, a pod, sorry, is a point of difference. That's something that we, we didn't cover. So like a unique player. Yes, a unique player. So a, an example of a pod this year would be, off the top of the head, Sam Berry, someone I'll, I love <laughs> very much. His ownership is very low, under 5%, so we call that a pod. But it's good to get the general consensus and to get lots of people's opinions. Like you said, there's podcasts everywhere you can listen to. Um, but it's important to formulate your own opinions so... You, you love the game. You're making your own choices. You're feeling good about, about what you're doing. You yeah. Know? yeah. At the end of the day, it's about having fun, right? And the other thing is that there are a lot of really, really great fantasy minds out there, a lot of experts, but even the experts get you know get things wrong. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's wrong from time to time. There's no one that's, that's right all the time. So if, yeah. you, if you think... Back yourself in. If you, you, know, you, see, you see something that some other people you know, might disagree with, that's okay. You know, make your own decision and kind of stick with your guns if you really believe in something. Okay, and the final tip, I said the last one was the final tip, but this <laughs> is actually the final tip. Um, if you're starting to get really serious about it, it's kind of related to the previous one. It's, if you're getting serious, get into Twitter, get Twitter and follow... The Cousins Pod. <laughs> yeah, we'll follow the us Cousins first. Pod on yeah. Twitter. But all kind of, all the best fantasy content all the discourse, all the discussions, it's all happening on Twitter. All the breaking news kind of comes onto Twitter first and then you see it sort of filter onto um, onto Facebook a bit bit later. Yeah, everyone who's someone in, in fantasy circles has got Twitter, so if you can get on, get yeah. the injury news. Just, just make your account, follow... Um, there are a lot of relevant accounts. Maybe we'll we'll link some of them in the uh, in the description. Yeah, yeah, good idea. And yeah, if you're starting to get serious, follow these accounts because it'll... It'll take your fantasy game a long way. Exactly. Great. Okay, so that is Fantasy 101. Yeah, again, so that was a bit different to our normal pod. Normally, we're, it's a lot more jovial and we're, we're having bants <laughs> and talking a bit of smack and roasting each other, roasting players and coaches. And uh, But yeah, we felt like it was important to get and something. And each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we felt like it was important to get something out into the community for you know beginner coaches, people that haven't quite advanced in their in their fantasy game just yet so um if you're listening if you have been listening thanks for tuning in be sure to check out some of our other other episodes as well um the cousins pod at on twitter is check it out it's it's amazing we, we do all our best work there what was it called again <laughs> at the cousins pod one more time at the cousins pod right, on twitter that's it go check it out thanks for tuning in have a good one love your work goodbye Kiss your cousin.
Kiss him on the lips. Kiss your cousin. Kiss your cousin.